Welcome to the Untold Tales Audio Anthologies. Written by Dr. Jeffrey A. Robinson and narrated by Melissa Del Toro Schaffner. Through Other Eyes Grandmother had her first stroke when I was still in grade school. I have only vague memories of her before that time. Even those recollections are limited to infrequent weekend visits and holidays. On those occasions, she hovered over her feasting relatives and flitted in and out of the kitchen with steaming dishes of food. She was a strong, proud woman, the matriarch of the family. We were never close. I was too young and she was already old. I never grew to know her well and can remember only having one or two true conversations with her. Those early gentle memories were overshadowed by the more vivid episodes of the times that followed. Her first stroke affected that portion of the brain that governs motor abilities. The subsequent ones progressively stripped her of control of her body and her mind. As I grew up, I always remember her recovering from her last attack, as she learned once more to master her own muscles to walk, to eat, or to speak. I was far too young to understand what was happening. Indeed, my parents deliberately told my brothers and me little of what had transpired to shelter us from the pain they could hardly bear themselves. Besides, I was far too busy at ten years old playing with friends, going to school and learning about life to think about death. Everyone always spoke of grandmother as she had been before. She had once been a schoolteacher, articulate, intelligent, well-read. Now they called her noble and strong-willed, courageous and fearless. I knew only a crippled old woman who slowly degenerated and disintegrated into something I could hardly consider human. Our visits to her grew less and less frequent. Her condition progressed over the years, but then she lived quite far away, so it was simple to put her out of my thoughts. When grandmother grew worse, she came to live with us. Grandfather was just too old and could no longer give her the care that she needed. My mother was a nurse, so she accepted the task. Out of love and duty. And also guilt. She could not bear to send her own mother off to some hospital or home where she would be quietly and remotely tended by unknown, unseen, and uncaring hands. The tragedy and pain of year after year of crippling convalescence was a burden that affected us all. Grandmother's illness was a constant presence as I grew up. I watched the pain eat deeply into my mother's heart, and I grew to resent grandmother's condition as an imposition and an invasion of our home. Grandfather was altogether different. Always a quiet, soft-spoken man, he had been a carpenter in his youth and continued to work in wood long after he'd retired. I recall the story of how he'd built a house for grandmother with his own hands just after they'd married. I remember him as a man who cherished hard work, honesty, and silence. He seldom spoke, but as is often the case with such men, when he did speak, his words were worth attention. Once, he told me the story of how he'd first come to America from Sweden before World War I, 
unable to speak a single word of English. He told me of how he'd met my grandmother and married her. But in spite of these tales, I could never reconcile in my mind how he and my grandmother belonged together. They seemed so different to me. It seemed so unfair. It seemed such a waste of his life to be stuck with her. He was as healthy as she was ill. Yet he doted on her and attended to her every need. When grandmother's strokes finally affected her speech to the point that no one else could understand her, he always knew what she wanted or needed. He was her voice and her arms and her legs. He was everything that she was not. His patience with her and his devotion to her remained a mystery to me. Then, one day, he too grew ill. It was nothing serious, but then he had never been sick before. Thus, when he had had to go to the hospital for simple tests, it was an incident that transcended the decade of grandmother's prolonged convalescence. We gathered around him in his hospital room to cheer him up as he sat up in his bed. We had all gathered and had even brought grandma, though she was confined to a wheelchair. My parents, my brothers, and I joked with him from the foot of his bed. Grandmother, whose mind was virtually gone by then, could not understand what was happening. She could not speak and could not even stand unassisted. But she somehow managed to pull herself to his bedside and kept reaching out to him. Her jerky, palsied movements nearly yanked the IV out of his arm, so hospital orderlies came to hold her back, away from him. Not understanding why they pulled her away, she fought with them, unaware that they were only trying to protect him from her and any unintentional harm she might cause. I suddenly realized that she only wanted to get closer to him, to touch him, to be with the man whom she'd lived with and loved for over 40 years. The harder she struggled to be near him, the more adamantly and forcefully the orderlies restrained her. With practice detachment, we all stood and witnessed the silent struggle, never speaking nor interfering. We had grown accustomed to grandmother and had come to accept the futility of her condition. Grandfather tried to calm her, but he was separated from her by the metal bars of the raised bedside rail and bound in place by the tiny plastic tubes that tended to his frail body. He could do nothing more than passively sit and watch her pathetic struggles, oblivious to the presence of all the others around him. I watched him there, tears welling in his eyes, as grandmother feebly fought to get to his side. He suddenly looked so old and so tired. It didn't seem fair at all. Then, for a moment, for just a fleeting instant, he wasn't an old man anymore. Suddenly in his place on that hospital bed, I saw him as he had been long ago. Sitting on that mattress in a white hospital gown, was a young 18-year-old boy, an immigrant, fresh off the boat from Sweden. I saw him as he'd described himself to me in his stories. I saw a young man, unable to speak a word of English, helpless, abandoned, alone. 
Moreover, I saw that boy in loving adoration, cruelly separated from the girl he loved. I realized then that he was just as helpless as she was. He was as unable to reach her as she was physically unable to reach him. I watched that young man cry. I felt his heartbreak, and then the moment passed. Once more, an old man sat alone on a cold, stark hospital bed, tears welling in his eyes. But those eyes had become the eyes of a young man, a boy trapped in a body, aged and old. I saw youth trapped in a prison without a key and realized that he had not forsaken long years of life on a crippled old woman who had lingered too long near death. He had simply continued to love the girl for whom he had built a house so many years before. In the same fashion that I had seen him a moment before, his eyes saw grandmother as she had been so long ago. The love that they'd once shared remained and spanned those long, lost years. Only time had passed. Nothing else of consequence had changed between them. Despite the ravages of time and the cruelty of the years, they remained the same in each other's eyes. I cried and left the room. No one knew why. To this day, I'm not sure that anyone else even noticed. I had discovered that Grandfather saw far more with his heart than the rest of us saw with our eyes. Therefore, I could never meet his gaze without seeing those younger eyes. I always saw him as a young boy, peeking out of an old man's face. What I had seen in Grandfather as blind devotion was simply the result of a vision none of the rest of us shared. His love and faith were based on a memory of a reality we could not see. Now that I am grown, I recognize that blind faith is not blind. It simply sees what the rest of us cannot. Grandmother died shortly thereafter, and grandfather followed her within the year, dying, I know, of a broken heart. His greatest legacy to me, however, is the vision I witnessed that day. That moment forever changed my life. Forever since then, I try to see out of those other eyes. Quote, what is essential is invisible to the eye. It is only with the heart that one sees rightly. End quote. The Little Prince. Thank you for listening. We hope you loved this story and that you love all the stories here in the Untold Tales audio anthologies. This story, Eyes, is one of Jeff's favorite stories and most personally treasured stories that he's chosen to share with us. If you loved what you heard, please consider leaving us a review on Podchaser. It's free, takes only a second, and will help even one more person to discover Untold Tales and possibly become their new favorite podcast. And please, like and subscribe to Untold Tales, because we've got some really cool things planned for you in 2022, including 
virtual Meet the Author events and other games and challenges to test your knowledge of the stories. So stay tuned, stay well, and thank you for listening. We hope you have a wonderful day.